Welcome back, MTN Nets Podcast. Um, definitely going to be a fun Nets video. This was a game that uh, I did not expect this to be the outcome. You know, when you saw who was going to sit for this game, um, you know, go down the list. It was Kevin Durant, Royce O'Neal, Kyrie, Claxton, Seth Curry, Ben Simmons, TJ Warren, Joe Harris. Um, the Nets had nobody, it seemed like. And I think they were like eight and a half point underdogs in Indiana coming on a back to back or coming off a back to back. And uh, yeah, I did not have hopes or even expectations of winning this game. I DVR'd the game, so I watched it late. And of course, I told people don't spoil the game for me. But at the same time, I figured like, yeah, they're not going to win. But, you know, the Nets played well in the first quarter. And then Indiana, they were making a ton of shots in like the second and third quarter. You figured, all right, they're going to pull away. They had multiple double-digit leads, the Pacers. So you figured at some point they were going to pull away. And the Nets were just kind of outclassed talent-wise. But no, they kept fighting. And they somehow got this victory. We're going to go over it. It was awesome. The Nets have been playing very well overall lately. I think they've won seven of their past eight games. That one loss coming against Boston. And they're probably the best team in the NBA. So... The Nets are moving in the right direction. They're now 16-12. and 12. They don't play till Monday, a couple days from now, against the Washington Wizards. Definitely a lot of positives to talk about. So hopefully you guys enjoy this video, podcast, leave a like, subscribe, five stars, all that stuff. And let's get into it. So you kind of knew a game like this was going to happen where they were going to rest multiple guys. I just didn't think, and I don't think anybody thought it was going to be like literally in the entire team. You know, the, the, the Nets had eight or nine active guys in this game. They actually, I think, called up Alondis Williams to play. He played five minutes. Didn't look that great, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, to have this many guys off, you knew it was going to happen eventually. But I just didn't know it would be like everybody all at once. But the great news is they pretty much we're going to throw this game away and say we just want our guys healthy. We're going to give them some rest. And they still won the game they were supposed to throw away. So, I mean, that's the great part about it. And I figured this game was really going to show what type of coach Jock Vaughn was when you don't have Kevin Durant out there to save you. And KD's played every game this year up until today. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're going to see, like, what kind of coach is Jock Vaughn? Do the Nets actually have a system? Can they play well together? And sure, some things were not very good. They had, you know, their defense in the first half especially – it was not impressive. I mean, they had to switch to zone a lot in the second half, fourth quarter. They were playing different types of zones, I feel like. I saw like some 1-3-1, one, one, some 2-3, so just different variations of zone defense. And yeah, sometimes these guys would make their shots. I mean, Halliburton has been killing the Nets every game this year, and I'm happy we don't have to play him anymore. I think that was the last meeting versus the Pacers already. So, um, But yeah, they had guys making shots, and of course it's tough. And I think the game started out with two Jalen Smith three-pointers, which was pretty annoying. But yeah, the Nets, you know, they came out pretty well, and Edmund Sumner had like 14 first-quarter points but we'll get into the individual players but um you know you knew eventually as i said katie was gonna have to you know get some rest and same with royce o'neill those guys have the most minutes played in the nba currently so you know or at least coming into tonight so you knew at some point they were gonna have to give them a break and jock vaughn said he wanted to make that a point of emphasis to get those guys a rest and you know, as I said, I was not expecting to win tonight. So when you do actually win, you're very pleasantly surprised. And, and it's an awesome feeling. And this team right now, as I said, is moving in the right direction. And they had a lot of great contributions from guys getting some career highs and points from, 
you know, guys like Cam Thomas and even Daron Sharp, who I don't know if he's going to get like consistent minutes going forward. I don't know if he proved enough for that, but um, Daron definitely showed some positives. He had a 20 point, 12 rebound game. He had two blocks as well. It he like Daron just showed you how much the Nets can really benefit from another big. You know, like Markeith Morris, who played his ass off this game, he was really good. It's just not the same type of size as a Dayron Sharp. And you could tell the difference Sharp was making. Sharp had, you know, a bunch of offensive rebounds. He had nine. Nine offensive rebounds. So only three defensive, but nine offensive rebounds. Um, if you guys watched the game, you know the Nets had, like, their most offensive rebounds as a team since, like, 1998. <laughs> so they were definitely doing it on the boards, offensive boards. They had 29 of them, and the Pacers only had seven. So the Nets have really <laughs> notoriously been a team that gets out-rebounded this year. But they out they out-rebounded the Pacers overall 59-30. to 30. I mean, that's why they won the game. I mean, the three-pointers was a big difference as well. The Nets shot 9 of 28 from 3. The Pacers shot 21 of 44. So when the opponent makes 21 threes, you only make 9. You're thinking right there, like, that team who made 9 probably lost. And the Pacers damn near shot 50% from 3, 47.7%. But the Nets they somehow were able to grab a ton of offensive boards. And I don't know if that was like, you know, the coaching staff put emphasis on crashing the boards or maybe the ball just bounced their way. I would have to think it was kind of coached-induced because there were a lot of guys like just obviously going after offensive rebounds. I think even Patty Mills had six rebounds in this game. Like, you just got a lot of rebounding contribution from a lot of guys. Markeith had 11 overall. He had three offensive Kessler Edwards had nine overall, four offensive. Dayron, we went over 12 rebounds, nine offensive. Patty Mills, six defensive rebounds, no offensive. Seven rebounds for Edmund Sumner, four of them offensive rebounds. Seven rebounds for Watanabe, five offensive rebounds. He also had a very key rebound, I guess you can call it, on a Cam Thomas air ball. He laid it in with his right hand, and um, you know the Nets got like a four to six point lead after that in the late like maybe, I don't know, two minutes left in the game. So that was a big play by Utah. Cam Thomas, only three rebounds, but two offensive. David Duke Jr., three rebounds, two offensive, and only one defensive rebound for Alondis Williams. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it was a coaching thing. I think it was because to have this many offensive rebounds, I'm sure there had to be some type of, like, it had to be part of their game plan to really just try and get second chance points. And that was pretty much what won the Nets this game. I mean, their defense in this game, it wasn't great. They gave up 133 points. But when you out-rebound the team by twice as much almost, you're going to give yourself a chance. And although the Nets were really out, you know, scored in, um, behind the three-point line, the Nets were able to give themselves extra shots, extra possession, possessions, uh, points in the paint, things like that, that really kept them in the game. So definitely a resilient victory. I want to go over like what happened in the final like I don't know two minutes of this game because it's actually like pretty crazy what happened. So I'm gonna pull it up quickly. Hopefully this is still recording as I do this. But um, all right, so two minutes to go. I'm not gonna like play the whole thing, but so here is you know Patty Mills in the corner. The Nets were down by seven with 4:45 to go. Patty made that unbelievable right-handed, you know, put some English on it, made the layup, then Patty made the floater, tied the game at 120. I forget at what point, actually, I do remember at what point, um, you know, of course, I'm thinking like, hey, I'm proud of the way this team is playing, but I did not think they were actually going to win this game until the Utah Watanabe missed free throw. This was a crappy one, the freaking, 
Miles Turner and one that put them up by two with 3.15 to go. So Cam Thomas in the fourth quarter, uh, he was awesome, taking guys off the dribble, making those floaters, and sometimes even taking off on the wrong foot. But Cam Thomas is very talented. Here's the play, 2.40 to go. And Nets were up one, 123-122. Utah Watanabe misses one off the back heel, rebounds his own free throw, kicks it out to Patty Mills. He made it. Gave the Nets a four-point lead. And at that point right there, I'm thinking, this might actually happen. I was trying not to get my hopes up because I did not think they were actually going to win the game. But after that, they went up four with like two minutes to go. I'm like, this really might happen. So then Cam Thomas puts out the very contested shot, you know, two seconds left on the shot clock. Okay. And then Utah Watanabe crashes from the left corner and just quickly puts it up with his right hand and, you know, avoids getting blocked. Then Cam Thomas, 124 left, up by four, takes a man off the dribble. Buddy Heald, that is, floats it in. I mean, Cam Thomas has an amazing floater. And, uh, I, you know, happy for Cam. He has not really been part of the rotation lately. And I feel like for his confidence, he needed a game like this. And he actually had a quote after the game that kind of took a shot at Steve Nash. He's like, oh, it's nice having a coaching staff that trusts you because, you know, you feel you can play more freely and you can make mistakes. And that was definitely a shot at Steve Nash. So I don't know, Cam Thomas. Anyway, uh, Cam later, you know, one, 55 seconds to go, made a floater to put the Nets up eight. And when they were up 132 to 124, the Nets, they should have taken care of business right there. But, of course, they let them back in the game. Um, Not to say I was, like, seriously concerned about blowing this game, but, you know, Buddy Heald, he made this really nice three-pointer pulled up and, you know, got it to a two-point game. And then Edmund Sumner, I believe, he missed the first free throw, made the second one with six seconds to go. But um, the Nets should not have been in that situation. They definitely should have closed this game out a lot easier. There was even a play with like maybe 40-something seconds to go where um, Halliburton, he he had an offensive foul against Patty Mills. And then Patty Mills, like five seconds later, just like turns the ball over himself. So like at that point, I figured like we're good. But then Patty Mills turned the ball over. Luckily, yeah, the Pacers missed the final shot. And then that was it. Patty Mills got the final rebound. So yeah, even for Patty Mills, it was nice to see him like, you know, come in there and and make a contribution. Um, I don't think this will get him like a spot in the rotation going forward. But, you know, it is nice to see Patty Mills make some type of contribution. You know, 10 of 20, 24 points, which is great to see. He actually uh, made some shots in the paint. He did have some nice assists. He had six assists, six rebounds. So I think Patty Mills might be his best overall game in a long time. Let's go down the list here. Uh, Markeith Morris, 32 minutes, four, four of seven, one of three, six of six, or one of three from three, six of six at the free throw line, 10, uh, 15 points overall, two assists, one steal, one block. Um, I think Markeith Morris played his best game of the year. I mean, he stepped up in a big way. The Nets needed it from him, and he delivered for the most part. So um, that leadership really showed up today, and he definitely was making his shots, so it helped. Kessler Edwards, 35 minutes. That might be a career high. I can't remember him playing that many minutes. But, you know, Kess has not shot well from three lately. He was 0 of 4. <clears throat> but um, we do know the kick and shoot, you know, so hopefully he gets it back at some point. But did have the nine rebounds. He did have... One steals. So I think Kess, he had some nice defensive possessions, but I was kind of hoping to see more. But he was all right. Definitely wasn't the reason they won, but not the reason they would have lost either. Um, Dayron Sharp, he's definitely a big talking point. 
Um, we know the Nets need a, a backup center pretty badly. It's one of the needs for this team as the trade deadline will approach in the next couple months here. Um, but, you know, Dayron did very well for what we could have expected in this matchup. I mean, playing against Miles Turner, not very easy. Um, you know, so I definitely give him some credit. I mean, Dayron had some fouls in the early part of the game where, you know, he made some rookie mistakes and things like that and thought he was going straight up, but he, he really wasn't. So, you know, seeing stuff like that was kind of annoying. He had a couple instances where he had trouble catching a good pass and he had, he like bobbled it and it led to like a layup instead of a dunk. And, you know, it's, it's whatever those things happen, but yeah, day run, I think for the most part was pretty good four or five at the free throw line. Definitely nice to see a center do that. But, um, you know, once again, I don't know if this will earn Dayron a spot in the rotation. The Nets seem to be fine playing, um, you know, small ball, we'll call it that, um, for the time being. So we'll see if they make a trade. But um, I just I don't think Dayron's going to play like 15 minutes on Monday night. I don't see that happening. Um, Patty Mills, 34 minutes. I feel like he has not played that many since last season, at least. Um, and we went over his stat line, the 24 points. He was a plus eight. So Patty, probably his best game of the year, no doubt. Edmund Sumner started out the game on fire. In the first quarter, he was the one really just like keeping the offense alive. He even made like a pull pull up three at one point. Like he was feeling himself. And he actually, I think he had an at one maybe. He had a dunk. He was taking guys off the dribble and just splitting the defense, getting to the rim very easily. And uh, Edmund Sumner, he's definitely a guy that I want to see play more in the future. I mean, maybe not more, but just def I want to see him as a part of the rotation because he is one of those guys that just does things differently than most guys on this team. He plays a much different style of basketball than like a Joe Harris or a Seth Curry. He's not out there to shoot the three ball. He's out there to defend and put pressure on the defense and get to the free throw line. Like that's what Edmund Sumner wants to do and not something that Joe Harris and Seth Curry are comfortable doing. So, yeah, Sumner, there's a there's definitely a role for him on this team right now. So I'm happy to see him out there. Was also happy to see Utah Watanabe who was back. He made one three. He was one of five. He was a bit frustrated missing those four threes, but he finally got one to go. Um, but yeah, Utah did his thing. He made those small plays that helped win the game. 21 minutes in his first game back. I think he missed 10 games or nine games. It was a lot. But um, seven rebounds, two assists, one steal. Did have the big layup, as I said, at the end on an offensive rebound. Cam Thomas, 29 minutes, 13 of 20. So Cam taking 20 shots, career high 33 points. Um, Cam had like three fouls in the first half. So I don't think they played him the entire third quarter. And I don't know if Jock Vaughn, like, quote-unquote, saved Cam Thomas for the fourth quarter, but he played Cam pretty much the entire fourth quarter, and it worked out to perfection. Cam was running the offense and was doing a great job. So, um, you know, hopefully this is the game that can get Cam going. I don't know if he'll have a spot going forward, but he'll definitely be on the cusp. Like, I, I definitely think Cam Thomas will have a shot over Patty Mills. I think I think Cam Thomas brings more to this team. He has more upside because he's, like, you know, 13 years younger. So I would hope Cam Thomas gets a shot if it comes down to him or Patty Mills. Uh, David Duke Jr., I expected more. Uh, one of my friends who is uh, – you know, like a DFS type guy. He was like, give me a random Nets player that might put up some numbers tonight. I'm like, you know, maybe, you know, Edmund Sumner or David Duke Jr. So I think he went with, um, he went with Dayron, thank God. So shout out to my friend for getting that one right. But I was like, David Duke Jr. might put up numbers tonight. He played 25 minutes, three of eight, seven points, three rebounds, three assists, one steal, had some bad turnovers. I mean, David Duke Jr. had a couple of really bad ones. I remember so 
that was a shame to see. But, you know, outside of that, he did his usual thing. He almost postered a guy. He he tried it. He definitely tried it. Dayron postered a guy, by the way. I didn't say that, but um, Dayron postered somebody. I forget who it was, but um, great dunk by Dayron. Might have been Jalen Smith, now that I'm thinking about it. But, yeah, I mean, he, he had a nice dunk. But David Dew Jr., if he somehow converted that dunk, that would have been, like, the dunk of the year so far. So, yeah, overall, I just like where this team is at right now. I mean, the Nets feel like they're on a tier that is it's still below Boston. It's still below uh, Milwaukee. They might still be below Cleveland at this point. But the Nets are now in this tier where it's like you know they're probably a top-five team in the East. And you can say at least they're well coached now. You know, the Nets biggest thing that was probably holding them back was Steve Nash and not really giving them any type of advantage coaching wise. And, you know, as I said, I don't want to completely blame Nash. It was a tough situation. A lot of guys in and out, the vaccine stuff, the hard and quitting stuff. I completely get that. But Steve Nash, just from a coaching perspective and what he was doing on the sidelines every game was not giving the Nets anything really. So looking at Jock Vaughn, what he's been able to do and pushing these guys to play defense and actually drawing up offensive plays, you know, not as many as I'd like sometimes, but still enough where it's like, okay, at least there's some type of like, you know, offensive style that's being shown here and getting some guys open. Like the first play of the game, for instance, was Patty Mills working off some type of like, um, you know, one of those like pin down screens. And then Patty Mills came up top of the key, made a three to respond to the Pacers who started out the game with a three on the, on the other end. So, um, you know, small things like that. I like seeing from the coaching staff. So I'm not saying this coaching staff is perfect, but it is much better than when Steve Nash was the head guy. So I do like that, but yeah, I still think this team eventually, you know, is going to have to make some trades. I don't want to get into that now, like any specific stuff, because it's still kind of early. But I know that a lot of people are talking about that December 15th date, because that's when guys can be traded who signed contracts this past offseason. So that would mean like Patty Mills, Nick, uh, Nick Claxton, if he gets traded, I don't think it's going to happen. But, um, you know, Patty Mills is always that name thrown out there. So, you know, we, we might find out about that. But, um, yeah, I don't think they'll make an, a trade exactly on December 15th, but at least we know they're eligible now. But, um, you know, I think the last time I spoke to you guys, it was coming off that Toronto win. And I remember I, I said if they beat Boston, I would make another podcast because I would be super hyped about that. I can't stand the Celtics. And in that game, I know the Nets hung around for like three and a half quarters, but Boston pulled uh, pulled away. But um, it's frustrating because the Nets have not beat Boston in like a year, it feels like. But they always play them close. So, you know, hopefully at some point they get them because, you know, I think the Nets play them three other times this year. So hopefully they get them. But um, that was definitely an annoying loss last Sunday. We saw Ben Simmons come back, um, you know, two nights ago now, Friday versus the, uh, the Hawks. And... You know, Ben didn't look like fantastic, but he also didn't look like the first five games of the season, you know, where he was like terrible. So, you know, he was somewhere between where he left off and where he was the first five games. So somewhere in the middle. But hopefully as he gets more, um, you know, comfortable and trust his knee he'll be a lot better. And TJ Warren, I know the last time I spoke to you guys, he made his debut. It was a really good debut. Um, but yeah, TJ, he had a good game, I think, on Friday versus Atlanta. Um TJ's played well on Fridays as a Brooklyn Net. That's a weird trend I'm seeing. But, um, yeah, TJ has shown he can still score the basketball. And um, he's made some nice moves, too. Even defensively, he locked up Trey Young in the fourth quarter the other night. Um, he caused a steal. 
I think he got a layup on the other end. So, I mean, yeah, TJ Warren's definitely shown some positives. And hopefully as he continues to get healthier and trust his body more and just gets more acclimated because the guy hasn't played in two years, um, he'll be even better. So he might be a really big piece to this Nets team. He's actually been a pretty good rebounder, too, for the most part. So definitely the type of guy the Nets could use right now, just a wing that can score and play defense and, you know, help on the boards when needed. So upcoming, the Nets have three games that I think are pretty winnable Washington on the road Toronto on the road and Detroit on the road it's not a you know it's not like a legitimate roads road stand or whatever you want to call it a road trip because the Nets are coming home after the Washington game because for some reason they're off on Tuesday Wednesday Thursday I don't know why the schedule is set up like that but they have three off days in a row so they'll come back to Brooklyn, go home, I guess, to their own homes, and then go back on the road uh, on Friday against the uh, the Raptors. And I, I don't think the Raptors are having a good year. So the Nets hopefully can, you know, at least take two out of three against Washington, Toronto, Detroit. And um, then after that, it gets a bit tougher. They have a three-game stretch with Golden State, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. But if they can go into that stretch at least, you know, let's say they win the next three games, which hopefully they do. Um, they would be 19 and 12 and put themselves in a great spot, you know, just to keep moving up the standings and give themselves a bit of a cushion here when the tougher games do arrive. But even if they go two and three, you're, you're to 18 and 13, still a pretty good record. So, um, you know, it feels a lot better than that's at one point they were, I don't know, they were six and nine at one point. They were f uh, four and seven at one point. They were one and five at one point, two and six. That was uh, the game right after Nash got fired, uh, two and six. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the Nets had a very rough start. And, you know, ever since Jacques Vaughn's been the coach, they've had a solid record. I think they're like 12 and five since he's been announced as like the actual coach. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about this team, but I definitely feel much better than I did even a couple weeks ago. You know, things are seeming to you know, get figured out here. And, you know, we knew coming into this year, it might not happen all at once. There's a lot of guys coming off injuries and, you know, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, um, Ben Simmons, TJ Warren, like guys who have not played basketball in a long time um, are kind of coming back for the first time here for Brooklyn. And you're starting to see those guys get more comfortable. Even Joe Harris continues to play at a pretty high level. Um, you know, Joe, even against the Hawks on, uh, on Friday, was it Friday? I'm already forgetting now. Where the hell is this game? Uh, <laughs> Friday, yes. Joe Harris made a really um, great play to kind of lead to a KD3. That was one of the biggest shots of the game. I think the game might have been tied at that point, but um, or maybe the Nets were down one. But Joe Harris drove from the corner to, you know, to the paint area, drew in the defense because you know Joe Harris, him being a shooting threat. It got the center. Who the hell was it? It was Capella. He came out to guard Joe Harris on the three-point line because you don't want Joe Harris shooting a three. So Capella overcommits. Joe Harris drives and shows some playmaking ability. He whips a pass to uh, Royce O'Neal. By the way, Joe Harris had another awesome pass that game where he had like a no-look pass to Durant, who almost didn't even see it coming. Then KD like just reached out with his hand and got it and laid it in. But yeah, Joe Harris has low-key had some nice passes this year. Anyway, drove to the paint, kicked it to the corner to Royce O'Neal. Royce made the quick decision to kick it out to KD on the wing. 
um, Katie made it, and that was kind of the shot to like not put the nail in the coffin, but it was like a big shot to take a, I think, two-point lead or three-point lead against the Hawks on Friday, and that pretty much sealed the deal. So, um, yeah, I mean, outside of that Boston game, I really have nothing to complain about. I guess the Nets have given up a good amount of points recently, like 116 to the uh, to the Charlotte Hornets, although they won that game. Um, you know, they gave up 116 to the Hawks, but they won the game. They gave up 133 tonight, but they won the game. We know the Nets are such an efficient shooting team, but they have their deficiencies. I mean, tonight was so weird because the Nets were, like, by far the worst rebounding team in the NBA, especially offensive rebounds. And, you know, tonight they just randomly had, like, 29 offensive rebounds, whatever it was, or 19, I forget. But um, their most since a game that took place in the 90s. So <laughs> the Nets somehow were able to do that. But um, I'm definitely enjoying it now. You know, Nets basketball is definitely more fun than it was the first, like, few weeks of the season where I was like, this is just not going to end well. But, uh, yeah, look, there's still a long ways to go. I don't expect to win a championship right now. You know, we'll, there's definitely a lot of time left in this season. But, um, you know, as time goes on and hopefully some moves get made and, and these guys build more chemistry – because that's another thing, like, you know, how many moves, if you're Sean Marks, do you want to make? Do you completely, like, want to change a lot of things or just make some small adjustments that this team needs? Whether that's, like, a John Collins or just, like, a backup point guard or something. Like, how much do they want to, you know, try and make a move? I've heard the idea of getting um, Vucevic and Caruso from the Bulls. But how much would that cost? You know, I have no idea. It might cost more than we think. So, um, you know, it's definitely possible they make a move like that or something or just try to get a big. I don't know. The Nets are definitely searching for a stretch five, but those guys don't grow on trees. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, for right now, at least. Things are moving in the right direction. Even Kyrie Irving, who I have not really mentioned this entire time, um, he was awesome on Friday against the Hawks. He had a tremendous fourth quarter, third quarter even. Um, yeah, He was not even hitting the rim. It was just all nylon. So Kyrie was definitely on. He had an awesome uh, snatch where he basically <laughs> created like 10 feet of separation because the man has amazing dribble moves and body control Kyrie he also had this and one I've never seen it before where he like I forget what happened now I think he caught the ball on the block and got fouled and somehow was able to turn around fall to the ground and like make an and one like the way he did it I, I've just never seen an and one like that before like the man has just insane body control but yeah when Kyrie's playing at that level it's it's awesome and at least we know we have Durant and Kyrie that can, you know, go off for 35, 40, any, any given night, sometimes even both of them. So um, we've seen those games where those guys put up a ton of points together and they still lose. But um, for the most part, when Kyrie or KD or both gives you those performances, the Nets will win those games. But the Nets are playing more like a team now. So I definitely... Um, you know, I like our chances when those type of games happen now as compared to the past. Like, I know they had a game versus Memphis early in the season. Who was uh, What was it? Um, third game of the year. Yeah, third game of the year. I think it was like Kyrie, KD combined for like, I don't know, 84 points or some crazy-ass number. And they still lost the game 134-124. Like, that's unacceptable. If, you're, if your two stars are scoring that many points, you have to win those games. And... They didn't, and then, of course, the Nets started out 1-5, and and we know the rest. So, um, yeah, the Nets are playing more as a team now. There's a lot more assist, and the Nets' numbers as a team since Jacques Vaughn's been here are a lot better. They're, you know, 
top five in the league in a lot of like important categories so um yeah things are definitely a lot better now than they were with steve nash not to like take too many shots at the guy but steve nash was just uh you know not doing a good enough job to put it nicely i, I think steve's a nice guy and everything but uh just wasn't really cut out for him so anyway that's gonna do it it's very late it's almost 3 a.m so i'm gonna cut it off here but i hope you guys enjoyed the video uh, podcast i will try to talk to you guys when the hell i mean i probably should have waited till monday because there's like three off days but eh, maybe after the wizards game monday maybe tuesday or something and if not I'll always do it you know on the weekend maybe after that friday game at toronto we'll find out but i hope you guys enjoyed and i'll talk to you guys next time